Welcome to week two of our sermon series. A lot of you are like, I wasn't here last week, so whatever. It doesn't matter. Welcome to week two. We're doing a sermon series on the first Christmas carols. Last Sunday, Father Bob was here and he talked about the Ave Maria. And we use a lot of words in the Episcopal Church and even here at St. Michael where uh, sometimes they need to be unpacked. If you are new or visiting with us and you hear words that you don't know, don't be afraid to ask somebody. Last week, Bob did a good job of reminding us that for about 1,000 years of the history of Christianity, especially in the West, that Latin was the only language used for the Bible and for worship. So Latin is a pretty important language for us as Christians. Of course, the Bible wasn't written in Latin. It was written in Hebrew and Aramaic and Greek. And we don't speak Latin. Nobody does anymore. Um, so we, we want to make sure that we're aware of those kinds of things. And we use a lot of funky words anyway um, in the church that other people outside the walls don't know. Uh, so we might want to unpack those a little bit. So one of those words is up there today, and I'll get to it in just a minute. Bob did a great job last week of tying together two passages of scripture that we have names for. The Annunciation, where the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and announces to her that she's gonna have a baby. And the Visitation, that's when Mary goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who is pregnant. The Annunciation, the Visitation, and a petition go together to make up the Ave Maria, which simply in Latin means Hail Mary, right? So that's what we had last week. Today we're doing the Benedictus. Everybody say it, Benedictus. All right, now here's the secret. We have two Benedictus that we use in worship in the Episcopal Church. One of them we're gonna use in a minute in the Eucharistic prayer. During the Sanctus, see I told you there's a lot of words. (laughs) Sanctus just means holy, holiness. Um, We're gonna say, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. And sometimes, just like Justin did a great job of reminding us where all these little signs of the cross, you'll see people make the sign of the cross. Because when we say, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord, we're talking about Jesus. So that is a Benedictus. It's not the one we're talking about today. Because the word Benedictus means blessed, right? It's Latin for blessed. So today we're gonna talk about week two of our sermon series, the Benedictus or the song of Zechariah. That's what we're doing today. Next week, we're gonna talk about that Magnificat, another Latin word for the Song of Mary. So those three songs, those first Christmas carols are all found in Luke chapter one. If you were here two weeks ago, I encourage you during this season of Advent to read through the book of Isaiah. We just heard an incredible passage from Isaiah 35 today. And Isaiah is one of the passages that we focus a lot on during Advent because so much of what Isaiah talks about are prophecies that Jesus and John the Baptist fulfill. And so we hear them a lot during this season. So it's a great idea to go through that whole book. But this week, I really wanna encourage each and every one of you as a family, as a couple, by yourself or get some friends together, maybe even break it up into little chunks, do it really slowly, go through all of Luke chapter one. I promise if you do, it will be a blessing to you, and I hope you will. The Benedictus, the Song of Zechariah, is really hard to understand if you don't know the background. The background of the story, we never get in the lectionary. We never get the story of Zachariah and Elizabeth read to us in church. You know how I know? Because I've been doing this a long time and I checked. (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna read you a little bit of it from scripture today. 
And I just ask that you bear with me because I think it's a really, really beautiful and funny story. And I think once we have the background down, um, the Benedictus will make a lot more sense. In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly order of Abijah. His wife was a descendant of Aaron. Her name was Elizabeth. Both of them were righteous before God, living blamelessly according to all the commandments and regulations of the Lord. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and both were getting on in years. Once when he was serving as a priest before God and his section was on duty, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and offer incense. Now at the time of the incense, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. Then there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified and fear overwhelmed him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you will name him John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He must never drink wine or strong drink. Even before his birth, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will turn many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. With the spirit and power of Elijah, he will go before them to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah said to the angel, how will I know that this is so? For I am an old man and my wife is getting on in years. The angel replied, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. But now, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time, you will become mute, unable to speak until the day these things occur. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondered at his delay in the sanctuary. And when he did come out, he could not speak to them. They realized that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. He kept motioning to them and remained unable to speak. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she remained in seclusion. She said, this is what the Lord has done for me when he looked favorably on me and took away the disgrace I have endured among my people. It's not a story we hear in church, but some elements of it should seem pretty familiar to us. The whole Gabriel appearing to Zachariah should remind us of the angel appearing, same angel, to Mary, right? This is actually called the Annunciation um, to Zechariah, uh, the Annunciation of John. Um, I'm gonna call John the Baptizer today. If you wanna call him John the Episcopalian, that's a cool thing. I just don't like to call him John the Baptist because it confuses us in Texas about who he is and what he was about. As you hear this story though, what's, there's a lot of really interesting things and you should laugh because like, you know, they're old and he says, I'm an old man, how's this gonna happen? My wife's old, you know. There's some humor in the midst of it, but 
remember all the stories from the Old Testament where a woman was barren and that was considered you know, a, a curse that God had closed her womb or something like that. Of course, medical science, thank God for that today, uh, and fertility issues are no joke, but you know, back, in, back in those days, this was a sign that God, God maybe didn't answer your prayers. And so uh, Sarah, in her old age with Abraham, you wanna remember that story, you wanna remember um, Hannah, uh, the mother of Samuel, who dedicates her son to the temple, um, whose womb was closed, and others as well. Uh, these stories are an important connection, particularly because of who their child is, John. Um, John uh, is the last of the Old Testament prophets. Um, he bridges the gap between our Old Testament and our New Testament. But I thought it was really interesting today for us to think about what would it be like, um, first of all, um, our priests today don't draw lots to see who lights the incense, but they did back then. Um, but second of all, what would it be like for a priest to stop being able to speak? Imagine that if you can for just a second. And all of God's people rejoiced for so no. But imagine if you know your job was talking to people or leading worship or singing or praying and then you couldn't speak anymore. What a dramatic change that would be. And then on top of that, imagine you had just heard the best news of your life. Not only were you going to have a child, but that child is coming because the Messiah that everybody's been waiting for is coming and your child is gonna prepare the way for them, right? That's really incredible news. So John, uh, Zachariah, excuse me, leaves the temple motioning like a crazy person, I would imagine. Nobody can understand what's going on. He goes home to Elizabeth. I think eventually they figure out how nonverbal communication worked and he cannot speak the whole time. He cannot speak during whole whole pregnancy. He cannot speak when Mary comes to visit her cousin Elizabeth. Um, uh, When John, the baby is filled with the Holy Spirit, is leaping in Elizabeth's womb, Zachariah can't speak during any of that time. Imagine that, imagine that. So that's the background of when we get to the Benedictus. And um, we're gonna look at, just for a few minutes today, and it's really two parts. So it is a song, and just as the baby Uh, John the baptizer is filled with the Holy Spirit. The day of his naming, the day of his circumcision, um, Zachariah, Elizabeth says he's gonna be called John. They're like, but nobody in your family's named that. And Zachariah writes, his name is John. And as soon as he writes that, his mouth is open and he's able to speak. And so scripture tells us he's filled with the Holy Spirit and he utters these words, blessed be the Lord God of Israel. And he goes through, all the promises that God has made to Abraham and to all of their ancestors. You want to put the words up, Jane? Thank you. Um, all the promises that God has made throughout all of scripture about what God is going to accomplish. Look at this. He is going to raise up a savior from the house of David, right? Um, he's been pro- he promises to Abraham through the prophets of old. He's going to save us from our enemies. Go to the next slide, please he's gonna raise up a savior so that we will be free to worship him without fear. We'll be holy and righteous in his sight all the days of our life. This isn't the Messiah who comes to uh, crush our enemies under our feet so that we might oppress them the way that they oppressed us. This is the Messiah who comes to give us the freedom to be in the relationship with God that we want to be without being hindered This is really, really good news. 
And so as he begins to utter this prophetic word filled with the Holy Spirit, the beginning of this benedictus, blessed be the Lord God of Israel. He's offering praise to God. And then in section two, he's gonna switch. And he's gonna, he's gonna talk about his son. He's gonna do his blessing to his son that the patriarchs would have done at the end of their lives for their sons. He's going to do now at the beginning of his son's life. And so he'll start with the words, my child. You'll be called the prophet of the most high. The prophet, not a prophet, the prophet. You're gonna go before the Lord to prepare his way to give all the people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. This is what John the baptizer, this is his whole mission. This is what it's all about. Continuing, one more slide. A vision of what's to come, what the Messiah will do for us through his appearing. The middle two Sundays of Advent uh, the first one we really focus on, Christ's return, and the, the fourth one we really begin to get ready for, Jesus' birth. But the middle two, traditionally in our, in our denomination and, and in lectionary, uh, have to deal with John the Baptist. So we hear about John the Baptist kind of every year, and we hear some different stories about John. You might remember John in the wilderness and camel's hair and eating locusts and wild honey. You might remember uh, him preaching, you, you know, you brood of vipers or those kinds of things. Um, John's ministry um, is simply to prepare the way for people to be able to receive Jesus in their heart. And that's what this season of Advent is all about. That's what all of us are up to during this season is that we are preparing a place in our hearts for the Christ to come and dwell more fully. When we think about the Benedictus, the song of Zechariah, John's father, we think about the experiences that he had leading up to John's birth, what it must have been like to raise that child and to trust him and his ministry to the Lord, what John's ministry was like out in the wilderness, inviting people to be cleansed from their sins, to repent, to return to the Lord so that they could be prepared to receive Jesus as Jesus came into his own ministry. It's a wonderful time for us during this season of Advent to think about how not only are we preparing our own hearts, but how can we be like John the baptizer? How can we help other people to prepare their hearts for the coming of the Messiah? What can we do to proclaim God's salvation that is for all people through the forgiveness of sins? My brothers and sisters, I encourage you this week to think and to pray about John the baptizer, his ministry, about this season of Advent and preparation. And I hope that like John, we can receive our ministry of reconciliation, that's the work of the church, and take that into the world with us. Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you great thanks for your holy word, especially in Luke chapter one, in which these great first Christmas carols come to us. We thank you for Zachariah and Elizabeth and their faithfulness to you and for uh, the birth of their son, John the baptizer. Lord, we thank you for his ministry in which he helped to prepare the way for your son Jesus to come among us. And Lord, we pray that this week you would help us to be like him, not only preparing our own hearts, but helping others to do the same. Lord, thank you. Amen.